I appreciate all the those who pitch in and help. All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. We've been, we have been studying uh, a series of lessons uh, talking about uh, strengthening the inner man and, and building the foundation. And I want to, we're going to begin a new series uh, of lessons. And so I want to encourage you to be here for each and every one of them. And, uh, and basically it is about the Holy Spirit and the ministry, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Maybe, maybe you've been in church your whole life or uh, maybe you've only been in church for a short while. Uh, but if you've been in a church for a long time, uh, it is great to become reacquainted with the work of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes uh, there's so much in the Word of God, to be honest with you, that uh, we study it, we learn it. Uh, but sometimes it's, it's good for us to go back and revisit truths that we already know, because sometimes we'll forget about those things, or we'll forget about the working of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so it's always good to be reminded and be refreshed on some of the things that perhaps you already know. And then uh, also, sometimes people are new. And, uh, and they've not been in church long, and they really don't know uh, the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit. And so it's just as important for them uh, to be able to get a good grasp on who is the Holy Spirit and, uh, and what does He do in our life. And so I, I hope that that's uh, understandable to all. And uh, also in this, in this series, I like to take one passage and really delve into that passage. Many times when you take a topic in the Word of God, uh, listen, there's not maybe just one passage that deals with it, but rather many truths. There's not uh, just one, well, there are several passages that deal extensively with the Holy Spirit, but, there's not, uh, but it does not give you a full understanding of all of the work of the Spirit. So many times uh, we're going to have to have nimble fingers all right, and be able to flip to different passages. So I want you to, I want to encourage you to stay in tune and uh, and and stay uh, in beat. And I'll, I'll try not to go too fast as far as finding passages and things of that nature, and uh, and give you time to turn to them. Uh, but it's so important that we understand uh, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, as we think about the Holy Spirit, Paul suffered a greatly as a missionary. We know that. Uh, we, we have, I, I love, the Apostle Paul uh, is one of my favorite apostles, and I believe probably one of the greatest apostles in the Bible. But, uh, but if you think about all he suffered, he was shipwrecked, uh, he was beaten, he was thrown in prison. At one point, he was even stoned and left for dead. They actually thought he was dead. And here the, the other disciples, the other apostles were standing around him, and, and I'm sure they were contemplating, man, what are we going to do? Paul's dead. And they're, they're like, where are we going to bury him? What are we going to do with him? And, uh, and the Bible says that while they were standing around him, he, he rose up. He was not dead. And, uh, and, and they, they, they helped him, and, and they took care of him and nursed him back into health. And one of the things that amazes me about the Apostle Paul is that he turned around and he went right back into the same town where they stoned him. And he continued to preach. 
and the fervor and the, uh, the drive that the Apostle Paul had just amazes me, uh, to be honest. And, um, and what, I, what I really uh, attribute that to is the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the Apostle Paul. Uh, his response to many of those adverse situations, to being thrown in prison, to being beaten, to being shipwrecked, uh, his response was often love, joy, and faithfulness. What an incredible, incredible example to us of the person and work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the Apostle Paul. One man said, uh, that other people don't create your spirit, they only reveal it. What a great quote. Uh, other people don't create your spirit, they only reveal it. And uh, much like water reveals the contents of a tea bag, so circumstances reveal the contents of our spirit. And if your spirit is argumentative, complaining, or depressed, then circumstances reveal to others what is already in our heart. The Bible says, uh, you can just note this verse down, Colossians 2.7, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And, uh, and we ought to abound uh, in, in, in the, the uh, work of the Lord with thanksgiving. Uh, and in the faith, rather. And uh, with thanksgiving. And we ought, to, we ought to be abounding in those things. Uh, somebody once said they, they had a fruit tree in their yard, and uh, they, they enjoyed their fruit trees, and, and pretty soon they noticed one of their fruit trees uh, did not have very much fruit on it. And uh, they went out to inspect what was going on, and when they got out to the fruit tree, they noticed lots of holes around the root. And uh, uh, they started looking around. They discovered that ground squirrels had gotten under their tree and dug all around the roots and dug lots of tunnels. And, and basically that tree had roots, uh, but it was not able to get the nourishment it needed from the soil uh, because those ground squirrels had done so much damage. And so they had to get rid of the ground squirrels and, and repair the soil, kind of get the, uh, the roots back in contact with the dirt so that uh, the fruit tree could bear fruit. And, uh, and sometimes, listen, in our life, if we're not careful, uh, our, our roots, we're, we're rooted in Christ, yes, but sometimes our roots can be kind of disconnected with the soil, and we don't get the nutrients we need, and, uh, and perhaps we don't produce the fruit uh, that we ought to produce. And of course, the reference of the fruit is the fruit of the Spirit, uh, as we think about that. Um, J.C. Ryle, he said this, he gives us a portrait of the Holy Spirit. I, I read this and, and I thought, boy, this is too good not to share. And so I wanted to share this with you. It says this, uh, the Holy Spirit is a mighty, merciful, and loving spirit. He turns away from no man because of his vileness. He passes by no one because his sins are black and scarlet. The Holy Spirit can take a Jew, the bitterest enemy of Christianity, the, the fiercest persecutor of true believers, the strongest prickler for pharisaical notions, and the most prejudiced resister of gospel doctrine, and turn that man into an earnest preacher of the faith he once destroyed. He has already done it. He did it with the Apostle Paul. The Holy Spirit can take an English tinkerer uh, without learning, 
patronage of money, uh, a man at one time notorious for nothing so much as blasphemy and swearing, and make that man write a religious book which shall stand unrivaled and unequaled in its way by any since the time of the apostles. He has done so already. He did it with John Bunyan, the author of Pilgrim's Progress. The Holy Spirit can take a sailor drenched in worldliness and sin, uh, a profligate captain of a slave ship, and make that man a most successful minister of the gospel, a writer of letters which are storehouses of experimental religion and of hymns which are known and sung wherever English is spoken. He has done it already. He did it in John Newton. If you're familiar with John Newton and his story, some of the hymns he wrote, the Spirit is an almighty Spirit. He can change the stony heart into a heart of flesh. He can break the strongest bad habits like toe before the fire. He can make the most difficult things seem easy and the mightiest objections melt away like snow in spring. He can cut the bars of brass and throw the gates of prejudice wide open. He can fill up every valley and make every rough place smooth. He has done it often, and He can do it again. The arm of the Spirit is not shortened, His power not decayed. He is like the Lord Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still doing wonders and will do to the very end. Uh, I thought that was just phenomenal, the way He took all those people. And really, you think about the lives that have been changed. Listen, those are... Those are people we know about. Those are people that, uh, that, that we're familiar with. Well, uh, at least somewhat familiar with some of those guys. But how many more that we're not even familiar with? That the Holy Spirit has transformed their lives and made them into something so much different. So the work and person of the Holy Spirit is something that I believe is, is really important. We should be here in Galatians chapter 5. and verse number 15... Let's go back to verse 14. He says this, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That list he gave, um, boy, that's quite a long list, huh? Uh, there's a lot of words in there. But if you think about it, what is society today? Boy, it's a lot of that. I mean, it, it is by and large a, a godless society. But I love this. He goes on in verse 22. He doesn't stop there, and I'm grateful that there is more to the story. He says this in verse number 22, but the fruit of the Spirit 
is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Uh, what a tremendous passage that is. Um, we'll go, go on to verse 26. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. What a phenomenal passage that he would give us these fruits of the Spirit. Um, go with me one, one other passage here to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And in John 15, we also have uh, some truths about the Holy Spirit and really about these, the fruit that we ought to bear. John chapter number 15, the Gospel of John chapter 15 and verses 1 through 4. We have the fruit of the Spirit labeled there in Galatians 5 and in John 1, or John 15 rather, verses 1 through 4. Uh, we have some more important information really about the Spirit and abiding with the Lord. The Bible says in John 15, 1, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me... Ye can do nothing. What an important passage that, uh, that we would abide in the Lord Jesus Christ and really that He would abide in us and that the Holy Spirit indwells us. Uh, but if we need to make sure that we allow Him control of our life uh, so that we can produce fruit if we're abiding in Him. And, uh, and so as we think about these two passages, I want us to understand this, uh, that the Holy Spirit... Uh, is a gift from God. Uh, that The Holy Spirit is a gift from God. Now, I put down the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit is not the gifts or abilities that He provides us, but rather the fact that God gives you the Holy Spirit uh, the day you trust Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. We need to understand that. Uh, that is important, and that's certainly uh, something that we need to understand. Go with me to the book of Acts. We're close there in the, in the Gospel of John. Just turn forward a few pages to Acts chapter number 1. And I want you to see that the Holy Spirit has been promised us by Christ. Uh, it was promised in the, in, the, in the Gospel of John as well. Uh, but uh, right here in the book of Acts, we find a good context of a passage that we can look at. And the Holy Spirit is promised by Christ. Acts chapter number 1, and, or chapter number... Yeah, one. In verse 4, look with me there, verse number 4. The Bible says, And being assembled together with them, 
commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. Let me set the context here. Jesus has already risen from the dead. And, uh, and he's with his disciples, and, and of course, uh, they are there with him. And uh, as you can see, they're assembled together, and he's commanded them. And here's what he said in his command to them in verse number four. That they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. Verse five. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, what wilt, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. We see there in verse uh, 5, well, verse 4, really, uh, he says at the latter part of that verse, but wait for the promise of the Father. And so uh, there is a promise given of God that, hey, the Holy Spirit is going to come. Uh, and, and in the book of Acts, we see that in chapter number 2. Uh, look with me in, in chapter 2. In verse 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, uh, could you imagine being day of Pentecost. What took place? They were there. Uh, they were promised in, in, in the prior chapter. They were promised actually back in John chapter uh, 14 and John chapter 16 and John chapter, I think, 18, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that the, the comforter would come and that he would teach them and guide them in all truth. And, and then he repeats that promise here in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. And so uh, there was a promise given from, the, from God that the Holy Spirit would come. And, uh, and I like to break it down like this. If you think about the Old Testament, God worked with mankind. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ was in heaven. Sometimes we think, well, when Jesus was born, uh, that's when he started. No, he was busy in creation. We'll see that later. Uh, but, uh, uh, but Jesus was in heaven. He was not here on the earth at that time. And God worked with mankind in the Old Testament. Then Jesus came down and Jesus had a period in time of ministry where he ministered to man on the earth. And what a special time that was. And it was really a brief time considering the thousands of years that God worked and then the time that Jesus worked. And then Jesus was crucified, risen from the dead, and then he ascended up into heaven in Acts chapter 1 that we read about there. Uh, he ascended up into heaven and, uh, and, the, and the Holy Spirit comes down in Acts chapter 2 and the Holy Spirit begins his ministry with mankind on earth. So that's all three, uh, three in one, God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit working with man. And, uh, and so we can see that in this passage. And I, I, like to, I like to explain this 
in Acts chapter 2, in Acts really, Acts is a transitional book uh, in which we go from the Old Testament where God did many mighty miracles. You think about all the things, many times uh, the, the Bible says that the Jews required a sign. And you think about all the prophets that did many signs. There were many miracles. You think about Moses and how uh, God provided man and how God opened up the Red Sea and brought them across that Red Sea. You think about Elijah. You think about Samuel. You think about all the Old Testament prophets and many miracles that had been done. Why? Because God was demonstrating, listen, this is the person that I'm using to do this work. And then you go, uh, Jesus then did many miracles as well. Then the Holy Spirit comes, and the book of Acts is a transitional book where uh, God does miracles with the apostles, and, and He does them more so in the beginning. And towards the end of the book of Acts, you don't see very many miracles being done. Why is that? Because it's a transitional book. And so I don't want us to think that the way things took place in the beginning of Acts is the way that they are to take place from henceforward. Uh, we do need to understand that it is a transitional book going from one to the next. So uh, in the day of Pentecost, here, could you imagine being there? And, uh, and the Bible says in verse 3, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. Could you imagine? There's a, this appearance and, uh, and tongues of fire, and I don't know where they came from, came down and, man, they, uh, they sat on people. That would be weird. I would be thinking, this is really strange. But then the second thing took place. Look at what it says. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. Or gave them utterance. Now, I speak other languages. I, I took the time to learn it, and it was not easy. And it took, required a lot of study. Uh, man, would I have loved to be able to just speak, and man, it comes out, you know, automatic. Wouldn't that be wonderful if you could do that, and you wouldn't have to go through the painstaking process of learning a language? Uh, but again, this is a transitional time, and God is showing, hey, that, that Jesus has ascended, and, and the, the mark and ministry of Jesus um, physically here on the earth is now done, and now the, the, the apostles and the disciples are to carry on that ministry with the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit's not visible. We can't see Him. They couldn't see Him. And so there were signs given to them so that people would know, oh, this guy has the Holy Spirit. One of those signs that they gave uh, in this chapter 2 was that, hey, they could speak and other people would understand that in a different language. You have to understand, we, we gather, we speak English, you live your whole life, and uh, now maybe you'll run into somebody who speaks Spanish more than, uh, than anything else. But by and large, I mean, everywhere you go and everyone you work with speaks Spanish. But in Jerusalem in that time, that wasn't true. It was a very mixed city. Uh, it was a city of, of many different uh, nations and many different tongues. And, and, and so there was different languages. And sometimes you couldn't communicate with people. And it was difficult to talk. So for them to be able to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, and other people to be able to hear it, it was a miracle from God. And they understood those tongues. That's what it says. And so we see that the Holy Spirit is promised by Christ, and, uh, and He was given here on this day of Pentecost. Let's go further in verse 5. 
and we'll see the results of that. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. I'm in Acts chapter 2, verse number 6 now. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? How, and how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers at Mesopotamia and in Judea and in uh, Cappadocia in Pontus, in Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, in Egypt, and in the parts of the Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes, Cretes, and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. And so you see how uh, you see all those languages that were represented there, the, uh, the Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, and, and all that list, and all those people that were represented. And it was a miracle of God that, that, the, that they could speak the Word of God, and those other people would understand them in their own language. And, uh, and that was a sign uh, that was given to them uh, during that time. And God used this special time as a very great display to, to say, hey, these are my servants and they're serving God. And so I want us to understand that. Uh, and we can see the, the day of Pentecost. I want you to see as well the change. Look with me at the latter part of Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. Look at the change that took place in these people's lives. Acts 2.41, the Bible says this. Because Peter, well, let's go back for a minute. I, I'm not going to read it, but Peter preaches a, a message there and in verse number 14 and, and all the way down through. And so he's busy preaching and giving the story of, of Jesus Christ and his uh, death and burial and resurrection. And, uh, and we get to the end of that in verse number 41. And he says this, he said, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon all the souls, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And I want you to notice that after the preaching of the Word of God and after some of these people had gotten saved, they put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that their lives were changed greatly. And, uh, and the Bible says there that they were gladly baptized. And listen, baptism should always come after salvation. And uh, you, don't get, you don't get baptized to get saved. Uh, you get baptized because you have been saved. And, uh, and so that's an important thing that we notice here. Not only that, but they were added to the church. There was church membership. 
And, uh, and they, they brought them into the local assembly and made them members of that church. And then they continued in the doctrine, fellowship, and prayers. And, uh, and we see that here. And so uh, understand that these people had gotten saved and their life was changed. And, uh, and we can certainly see the promise that God gave them as he said in, in John 14, 6, And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you. And this was God's promise. This is the fulfillment of God's promise, that the Holy Spirit did come, and he was here. And, uh, and listen, we receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. We have a few, few verses. Go with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. How do we know that we receive the Holy Spirit at the, at the moment of salvation? Understand that Acts was a very transitional book, and God brought the Holy Spirit in in a marvelous display of the coming of the Holy Spirit to start His ministry and His work here on the earth. But look with me in John chapter 3, and we'll see some more uh, of this idea of the Holy Spirit coming at, or, or uh, indwelling the believer at the time of salvation. In John chapter 3, you may know the story, but Jesus is dealing with uh, Nicodemus, a Pharisee. And Nicodemus is not a saved man, but, uh, but he's talking with Jesus, and, uh, and Jesus has told him, listen, you must be born again. Look with me at verse number 5. We'll just read two verses. And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. What is being born again? Well, we know that it is the moment that you trust the Lord as your own personal Savior. That's what Jesus told this man, Nicodemus. And, and then Nicodemus will says, well, how can a man be born when he's old? I mean, that's not possible. How can he be born a second time? So Jesus expounds on that, and he says, listen, uh, first a man must be born of water. What is that? That is the physical birth. And I know that all of you were born of water because you're here. If, you're, if you weren't born of water, you would not be born sitting, you would not be sitting here this, this morning. Uh, my... Um, I guess it would be my great niece on my wife's side. My uh, just had a little baby a couple days ago, and and so Friday because it was just close. My wife said we have got to go see that baby, and so uh, Friday after work we shot up to Michigan, and and we were there a very short time. Spent the night at her mom's house, and and saw the little baby, a precious little thing. You hold that little thing in your arms, and you know they're so little and so small. And we got up the next morning and drove back. We just went to see the baby, but but that baby was born of water. That's a physical birth. And Jesus talked about that. He said, listen, uh, that which is born of, uh, of the flesh is flesh. But then he goes on and he says, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That is a second birth. And he's talking about being saved and trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. Nicodemus didn't quite get that because Nicodemus was a lost man and he didn't understand all the things that Jesus uh, was teaching. Uh, but listen, that's what Jesus was teaching, that if you trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, then you're born a second time, and that is a spiritual birth. And that is the moment uh, that we receive the Spirit uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Um, he says in Romans 8, 9, you can just mark this down for sake of time. Uh, you don't have to turn there. But in 8, Romans 8, 9, he says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And he's talking to believers. He's talking to people who are saved. And he says, now, um, verse 9, uh, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. In other words, hey, if you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, then the Holy Spirit comes and He dwells within you. Uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians. I do want you to see this, chapter 6 and verse 19. And we're talking about the Spirit dwelling in us. And the, the time we get saved, John 3, he says, listen, if you're born of the flesh, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And so there is a spiritual birth. He says in Romans 8, 9, uh, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Uh, if the spirit dwell in you. And, uh, and how do we know that the spirit dwells in us? Because we've been saved and born again. He was writing saved people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, he says, uh, the apostle Paul is writing. And, uh, and he's written these, these Christians that are there in, in Corinth. And he's explaining to them, hey, that there's a lot of things that are, are sinful. And, and he was kind of upset with them. And look at what he says there in verse 19. He says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? It's a question. He's saying, do you not realize, do you not understand that the Holy Spirit dwells in you? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. What, what was his illustration there? What did he mean by that? Well, the temple in the Old Testament was the, was the place that they would go to worship God, but it was more than that. You remember there was the holy uh, place that the priests would enter into and they would offer their sacrifice, but then there was the holy of holies. And that was the dwelling place of God in the Old Testament, that he came down and he stayed with man. And, uh, and, and the priest would only go in there, the high priest would only go in there one time a year uh, to present a sacrifice to God. And what Paul is saying is, saying, he's saying in the New Testament, he said, what, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. In other words, your body, if you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, belongs to God, and God dwells within you. The Holy Spirit comes and He lives within you. Go on to the next verse. And he says this, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And he says, listen, at the time you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes and He dwells within you and you belong to Him. That's what he's saying. We have to live our life in accordance with the Word of God and say, you know what, uh, the, 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 this Holy Spirit of God lives within me. You know when you got saved and you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, and do you remember if maybe you did something that you always used to do, but afterwards you're like, ah, I feel bad about that. Something's not right with that. You know what that was? That is the Holy Spirit inside of you saying, hey, that's not right. 
and bringing conviction in your life. That's one of the works of the Holy Spirit, is that He would convict us of our sin. And so Paul is telling them, listen, uh, your body is not your own. It belongs to God. Uh, just one more thing that I want us to see. Uh, the Holy Spirit was promised by Christ. We see that the Holy Spirit is received at salvation. And we see that the Holy Spirit is the seal of our salvation. Let's just go to Ephesians chapter 1. Just over a few more pages. Ephesians chapter 1. And you say, well, how come the Holy Spirit doesn't move in and move out? And the Holy Spirit is not, uh, He's with me today, but He's not with me the next day. I'll show you why. In Ephesians chapter 1, and we see in verse number 13, Ephesians 1.13, the Bible says, In whom ye also trusted... After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So this is after you heard the, the gospel. In whom also, uh, after ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. In other words, the Holy Spirit came down and He sealed your salvation. He indwells your life. And He will not leave nor forsake you. He's with you for all eternity. So we need to understand that. It was promised by God. Uh, it was given by the, by, uh, at the time of our salvation. And, uh, and that the Holy Spirit is the seal of our salvation. And, and you say, well, what happens if I sin? The Holy Spirit convicts you of that sin. That's what happens. And you say, well, what happens if I keep uh, sinning? Well, we find in the New Testament other passages that say, uh, listen, let's, that, uh, that you could... Um, that you could grieve the Holy Spirit. It's in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 30. You can turn over there if you'd like. Ephesians 4.30 says this, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. That verse is very clear. That, that you're not going to lose your salvation because of sin, but you can grieve the Holy Spirit, but He will continue to seal you until the day of redemption. When is the day of redemption? It is the day that, hey, that this flesh dies and we go to be with God. That's the day of redemption. That's the day that we're finally, everything is said and done and that, uh, that we're no longer uh, living on this earth, tempted in this flesh. We're no longer living with the ailments of this flesh. And so understand that, hey, we are saved for all of eternity. The Holy Spirit seals us until that day of redemption, and He is with us every single day. And, uh, and that's just introduction to who the Spirit is. How do you get the Spirit? A lot of people, there's a lot of teaching out there that is not Bible about the Holy Spirit, who He is, what He does in our life. And, uh, and a lot of people even today, they say, well, you know, there's a sign of the Holy Spirit. And uh, listen, the Bible uh, does show that there were signs in the beginning of the book of Acts, but you read through the book of Acts and those kind of faded away. Uh, there was not the need for tongues going forward. There was not the need for miracles. And so just because you can't speak in tongues, just because you can't heal other people, does not mean you do not have the Holy Spirit. Uh, matter of fact, Paul makes that very clear in, the, in 1 Corinthians that we read, 6.19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the, uh, of the Holy Ghost? Uh, and that God lives inside of you. And that we are sealed by that Holy Spirit of promise and that He stays with us every day. So tomorrow when you wake up, 
you can say, good morning, Holy Spirit. I know you're with me. Because he is. And, uh, and, and we ought not take that lightly, but he is with us every single day. And when you feel most alone, just remember the Holy Spirit is with you. And you're not alone. And, and, and just remember when you're tempted, yikes, the Holy Spirit's with me. I don't want to grieve God, and I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit in my life, and I want to please the Lord in my life, so I'm going to live right, and I'm going to do right, because the Holy Spirit is with me at all times. And we ought to be grateful for the salvation and for the seal that he seals our salvation, and I'm grateful for that. I tell you what, we mess up in our life. We do. Uh, but I'm grateful that God has sealed our salvation, and it's not based on our works based on the seal of the Holy Spirit that he promised and that he will keep and that he will do. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we thank you for the person of the Holy Spirit. God, I know we covered a lot of ground very quickly this morning. And God, I pray that you would help us to grasp and understand the importance of who the Holy Spirit is and the fact that, God, he is with us every single day. And God, may it challenge us to live right. May it encourage us when we're discouraged or down. And may it help us in the times of our weakness. God, we know that you're with us. And God, we need your help and your strength and your spirit in our life. May we yield ourselves to you. We'll thank you for that. God, maybe there's one here that's not put their faith and trust in you this morning. And they don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. God, I pray that you would show them their need for salvation. We'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, short hymn of invitation. If God spoke into your heart, the altar is open. Holy Spirit goes everywhere with you. He dwells within you.